welcome to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. I'm Cheryl, and I invite you to join me on my quest to find out why are people homeschooling? How do you do it? How does it differ from region to region? And should I homeschool my kids? Stick with me as I interview homeschooling families across the country to unfold the answers to each of these questions week by week. Welcome, and with us today, I am so excited to have Connor Boyack from the Tuttle Twins. Connor, thank you for being here. Happy to be here. We were just talking a little bit before I hit record. I uh, reached out to you a while back to your company to um, do an affiliate program with because I had already been a reader of your books. I had already been reading them to my son, who was four at the time, even though uh, the, the series we got was your age 5 to 11 series, but he loves them. I love reading them to him. I learn uh, so much. And when your publicist reached out to me, I didn't even know if it was a legit request. So I was like, all right, let's see if this really happens. I didn't tell anybody about this interview for that reason. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I have a few questions to start out with, but I do like to keep it conversational. So please feel free to uh, take it wherever you will. But you do homeschool cool. your children, correct? You and your wife? Yeah, we've homeschooled them since the beginning. When we were uh, newly married, I think, or actually when we were engaged, I first came across John Taylor Gatto, who uh, has written several books, one of which is called Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling. And uh, and reading that was a total eye-opener for me because I'm a graduate of what I like to call the public fool system. And, uh, and I didn't like it, and I struggled, and I just uh, I wasn't a good fit for it. And so reading that book, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like all the problems I experienced. And this is what's wrong with education. I gave it to my fiance and I'm like, we got a homeschool. And, and so we've done it from thankfully uh, she agreed. We've done it from from day one. So how old are your kids? They are now 14 and 12. OK, so they've been doing it from the beginning. They don't really know what the public school life or even a private school life is like. How do you think do you think they enjoy it? So I'll add a, a little qualifier. Uh, last year, we actually decided to put them in a private school, uh, an Acton Academy. They're all over the country. Uh, it's a basically very homeschool friendly type of private school that just has a bit more structure to it. So uh, we started doing that last year. My daughter's going to continue that and my son's going to go back and do his kind of a la carte homeschool Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I, to your question, I, I'd say it, it's kind of tough when you don't know anything different than what you've experienced. So obviously they have friends that go to the government schools and they, you know, the social side of that is is appealing, right? But they don't realize the academic suck of of that experience because they're not seeing all the quizzes and all the projects and all the assignments and all the homework that uh, their peers and friends are getting. So in, in that sense, they kind of grow up like most do, I think, in a little bit of a bubble of if all you've ever known is homeschooling, then it's hard to really know how good you've got it and how amazing it is. Uh, but the, they enjoy it. And certainly having a dad like me, where I talk about this stuff all the time, um, they, they understand what it's like and what other kids are experiencing uh, in schools. And so they can kind of hear it through me talking about other people. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's something that, uh, 
that if you haven't lived it, you don't really understand. So I, I've even thought sometimes, what would it be like to just throw them in a, a government school for a semester just so that they can experience and then be like, okay, are you done? Let's go back to homeschooling and then be more intentional about it, more focused on it. So I had my son in a preschool for last year. He was age four and it was only three days a week for two and a half hours. And I'm kind of glad I did that because I saw things now that my eyes are open to it that I didn't like and things like uh, the hand sanitizer on the hands all day long of little four-year-olds and me requesting, Mm -hmm. hey, can you not put that on my son's hands? And I mean, they looked at me like I had three heads. Why? Why don't? And then telling my son, you know, this is to keep you healthy. So then he has that push pull of they're trying to keep me healthy and my mother isn't now, you know, so, um, yeah, he, he'll be too young to remember that because now I've begun the homeschooling process for kindergarten, but at least I know that I'm doing the right thing and I'm trying to make it fun. Um, so what got you into creating the Tuttle Twin series? So, um, I would say the story for this begins in about 2013, um, I, I run a think tank, what's called a think tank. It's a nonprofit where we try and change laws. And, um, and, and so I had been doing that for a couple of years and my kids at the time were five and three. Uh, my son was almost six and, and I would come home and, you know, I'd, how was your day and what did you do? And so he would, you know, tell me and my daughter would tell me I played with this game. I watched this cartoon, whatever it was, but my son every once in a while started asking me, dad, what did you do today? Hmm. Or, or, you know, what do you, where were you or what did you do? And, and I didn't want to just say, Oh, I, I had phone calls and I typed on a computer. Like, obviously you can just do something like that for a kid. But I found myself wanting to tell him like, Hey, I had been fighting eminent domain at, at you know, the city council earlier today to support, yeah. you know, property rights or whatever. I wanted to, I wanted to share the substance of what dad did but in a very simple form for kids so that he could kind of understand what these ideas are all about. So I, I went to Amazon. I had been talking with a buddy of mine who, uh, who had very creative and, and he had kind of been floating this idea of like, Hey, what if we did a children's book? And I went to Amazon looking for books that I could just get to teach my kids this stuff. Uh, and there was nothing, uh, this is again, a, a decade ago. And, and so in discussion with that friend of mine, I'm like, hey, what if I write a book and you illustrate it and let's see where this goes. So it was just a couple of dads who recognized the opportunity and wanted this for their own kids. We had no idea if other people would buy the books. We had no idea if we were onto something. In fact, at first it was just one book. We just said, look, this may flop, but let's create a book that we like for our kids. Mm-hmm. And enough people bought it that started saying, okay, when's the next book coming out? And we're like, yeah, we'll get right on that. We'll... Uh... And, and so for a while, the vision was, okay, we'll do like eight to 10 books and then call it quits. You know, we'll have like a boxed set or whatever. And we get to like the seventh book and I sent a survey out to our audience. I'm like, hey, do you think we should, you know, do this eight to 10 thing and stop? Should we keep going? And like 86% of people were like, are you kidding me? You know, keep going. So now we got books for toddlers and teens and a cartoon and a podcast and a game and curriculum and and we've just really tried to expand the content empire so that we're teaching kids these ideas at different ages in different ways um so that they can all learn and and uh embrace these ideas yeah the tuttle twins the abcs for economics and you know the abcs of the american revolution it is it is so refreshing especially when like for instance when i reached out 
to your company to say, can I be an affiliate? I really like what you're doing. I'd like to work with you. And they asked, why? Why? What could you bring to the table? Why do you want to work with us? And my response was, well, I went to Barnes & Noble with my son and set up on display was the gay BCs. And, you know, <laughs> D is for drag. And I said, I don't want my son to know that D is for drag. I want him to know that D is for the Declaration of Independence. And so <laughs> that's why I purchased your your books and you're talking before about the John Taylor Gatto and I really liked the book number 10 in your series of age five through 11 because the education vacation the Tuttle Twins and the education vacation you talk yeah. about John Taylor Gatto and the homeschooling and what he brought to the table and I don't know how true the story was if you'd gotten to meet him like you did in the book but it just so beautifully talks about this trip that you guys take as a family and how much you can learn and you know for the last year and a half even when my son was in preschool we were still going meeting up with homeschool play groups um, and doing these trips, for instance, yesterday I went to a bird sanctuary. It's one of the only ones in the Northeast. It's literally 10 minutes from my house. I had no idea that this even existed there. People come from all over to go there. It's just donation only. And we spent the whole morning there looking at these birds that, you know, bald eagles. One was shot down in Afghanistan and, um, you know, they, they brought it over to, this bird sanctuary to get rehabilitated. And it's like, all this stuff is going on right in our backyard. And yet we have no idea when we are stuck in the nine to five cubicle workday, your kids are yep. stuck in their little prisons at school. And then you come home and you're enrolled in five different sports to make you feel like a good parent that your kids are, you know, in these things, but you're really rushing all over. Nobody has time to make a healthy, wholesome dinner sit down together and eat it and talk about your day, you know? So um, I really just, it's just such a beautiful way to live. And it's so scary to jump into it if you never thought you'd be a homeschooler. But like once you're in it, it, it you, you feel like you can't live any other way. What a waste of life almost. And I, I mean, your daughter, you said she's in a school now, but it's not a traditional like, you're sitting oh, no. down for eight hours a day. Is no, it more no. like the school? Have you ever read Free to Learn? Oh, yes. Yeah. Is it more like That's that? That's one sort of my of... top five books I recommend. So the book he's talking about in there is Sudbury School, which was yeah. started by some libertarian hippies half a century ago. And, uh, and, and Sudbury is what you might call institutionalized unschooling. Okay. So it's entirely child-led. The kids run the show. They have a building. They have resources. They have adults there but the kids literally hire and fire the adults. So they, the kids run the government of the school. It's a very fascinating model. Yeah. And that's Sudbury. Acton Academy is uh, based on a concept known as the hero's journey. Um, this is a book, uh, I think Joseph Campbell wrote the book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, I think is what it's called. Okay. But he identified that in all these epic tales of you know ancient history and modern history, all these epic tales tend to follow the same formula. Think of, uh, let's pick on Lord of the Rings. You have uh, Frodo, who's called to an adventure, uh, but he feels inadequate. And so a guide shows up, in this case, you know, Gandalf, uh, that says, hey, I can point the way for you. Here's, you know, what you need to do and where you need to go. Uh, Frodo, you know, rises to the occasion only to see a initial defeat. And he questions things, but a team of, you know, a merry band of, of others come to support him, which is the, the kind of the council or whatever they called it. And, uh, and then he perseveres and he pushes forward and 
is able to vanquish the foe, but in so doing, he transforms himself so that when he returns home, he's no longer a, you know, a new person. So whether you're talking about, I mean, you could do things like Spider-Man or, you know, the Matrix or modern things or ancient stories as well. They tend to all follow this formula. And so it's called the hero's journey. It's how we transform ourselves. So the Acton Academy took that and turned that into a, a school system. So the children, uh, rather than being called students, they're all called heroes because everyone is the hero in their own story on their own journey. So the, the kids are heroes. The adults who are there are not teachers. They are guides. They're just there to point the way and say, let me know how I can help you. But this is your journey. This is, you know, all about you. So you run the show and you, you know, take ownership of this. So the adults are guides. And then at the beginning of the year, and then I think every like two, uh, was it six weeks or 12 weeks, um, they have, so no, there's no semesters, there's no trimesters, there are journeys. So you sit down and I think it's like a 12 week, I have to go back and look It's six or 12 weeks, but, but you sit down together with the hero, the guide and the parents and you map out what the journey is going to be. What is the foe that we're trying to vanquish? What is the end goal that we're trying to achieve? And um, and so you map out that journey together and then the guide is there to support them in the, you know, quote unquote classroom setting or school setting. But the kids are, are you know, doing their own thing. They're self-led, they're proceeding at their own pace, whether it's math or English or projects or whatever. And then the other aspect that's really nice about Acton Academy is, you know, a teacher in a traditional school uses a very authoritarian model. I am the source of knowledge and I will impart this knowledge to you. So be quiet, listen, take notes. It'll be on the test. So it's a very authoritarian model. By contrast, in Acton Academy, they use a Socratic model, Socrates or, you know, Socratic questioning, where uh, the adult is not the authority. They are not the source of knowledge. The child and other resources that the child identifies, those are the sources of knowledge. So the guides are not there to give answers or teach things. They're there just to support and you know help each hero on their own journey. And so a lot of times they'll have these little discussions with all the all the heroes uh, in the school, and um, and they'll they'll share provocative kind of questions to spark debate. And when kids are curious about something, you know, the adult is never going to step in and say, well, here's the answer to that. Instead, they're going to say, well, how would you figure out the answer? Where might we go to, to learn about that? Or, you know, you said that person was wrong. Well, why do you think they're wrong? And what information do you have to back it up? So always this question-based approach to try and draw out of the child um, you know, their ideas and their, their interests. So when my wife and I were kind of looking around, we're like, you know, we want to shake things up with our kids and, and we've kind of been doing, we had a co-op and we did our own thing and, and, uh, and we're like, oh, we want to shake things up a little bit. This was like the only school that we identified that kind of aligned with our values and our goals. Um, they're all over the country. They're called Acton Academies. And, uh, and so we felt very, very good about it. I know the guy who started it, uh, his name is Jeff Sandifer out of, out of Texas. Uh, but there are little micro school acting academies, uh, all over the country. That's awesome. And I think a lot of my listeners, if they're anything like me, they're people that are, they want to homeschool, but it's scary. It's well, I didn't do that great in school myself, or how am I going to teach my kid everything that they need to know? And going back to what you just said, 
we as parents don't have to be the bearers of all knowledge. We can right. just be the guides to push the kids in the direction that they need to go in by asking the questions, by pointing them in the direction of maybe look here for the answer, or let's see what possibilities the answers could be. Um, I think that takes a lot of the pressure off and where we don't have to be this authoritative figure with all of the wisdom. It's, it's, we're just right. guides. So that's important. I, I do love book two, The Miraculous Pencil, because I think it's the first time I was sitting with my son in bed reading with him. And like, I kind of learned how smart he actually is. He's yeah. more of a get me on the four wheeler. But um, I sat down with him and the first page says, not any one single person knows how to make a pencil from beginning to end. And, you know, the the person in the classroom in the book says, you know, do you know why? Like, then how are pencils even made if nobody knows from beginning to end? And I asked my son, why do you think? And he goes, well, everybody probably has their own part. And I was like, wow, I you're four. Wow, that was so yeah. cool to me. And I can only imagine homeschooling. You get many of those moments as the years go on. But it's so cool because we, as parents, don't think that our kids have the capability a lot of times to think on those levels. And I just, I love that about your books. And it gets adults thinking that way too, because we don't often think that way. And The Miraculous Pencil talks about all these jobs that you don't even realize exist and all just to make a pencil. One of my biggest problems with the school system or just, I don't know, maybe it's society in general, is that we expect these kids, we push them, push them, push them to go to university, but we don't tell them all the jobs that are on the table. So we're just telling yeah. them to go spend three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 of money that... Maybe they won't be able to pay back. Right. But we don't give them the list of jobs. It's <laughs> Where else is that acceptable? It's not. This is a big this is a big problem I perceive in the homeschool community where a lot of parents are anti conveyor belt. They're in fact proud of themselves for homeschooling and pulling their kids off of the conveyor belt that every other child is just kind of mindlessly on and, and being programmed in a way that some curriculum committee wants them to. So the, they pat themselves on the back and say, oh, you know, we're not on the conveyor belt. And then their kid, you know, becomes a, a young adult or late teens and they start pushing them onto the higher education conveyor belt mm. because so many homeschool families retain this uh, this this idea in their minds that uh, a college degree is necessary. It is so increasingly unnecessary in our economy today, with rare exception, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. To, to need a college degree. Back in the day, decades ago, college degrees were signals. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of uh, applicants, a lot of people wanting jobs. But those with a college degree stood out because it was more rare. And it was a sign to potential employers of dedication, of you know commitment to hard work, of hopefully you know mastery in a particular skill or, or not mastery, but you know focused uh, knowledge that they've acquired. Uh, through increased study. So it was a way for employers to be able to say like, hey, let's, you know, let's look at people who have proven that commitment. If you're enjoying this episode and would love to experience the Tuttle Twins books for yourself, please head over to my link, thehomeschoolhowto.com slash Tuttle and use code Cheryl40, that's C-H-E-R-Y-L-4-0, for 40% off all books on the age five through 11 series. You can grab the link in my show's description. Well, 
when the government starts subsidizing, you know, decades ago, started heavily subsidizing college degrees, when we have Common Core and all these things pushing kids to, to say that K through 12 education is about making them uh, college and career ready, right? That the whole, the whole point of them learning is so that they can go to college and then get a degree. And we create this whole system around it. Um, we start shepherding every kid to get a degree. And when everyone has a degree, it's worthless. I employ yeah. a bunch of people. I'm constantly hiring people. I get resumes all the time. I literally could not care less about the college degree. We don't put it in our job description as a requirement because it, it doesn't signify anything. If anything, a lot of times I increasingly feel the opposite. If you sat at a desk for four years to be propagandized with a woke mind virus you know, or whatever, because you wanted this piece of paper, it makes me question your judgment. I prefer to see the people who are like, you know, hey, I'm a dynamic thinker. I'm going to go out and kind of forge my own path. I'm going to learn from, you know, the internet and all these resources. I'm going to build my own portfolio. I'm going to start getting my foot in the door creatively. Those are the type of people who I want to hire and many other employers. And so where before a college degree was a signal of competence and, you know, rising above, now I think it's sending, increasingly it's sending the opposite signal. So for homeschooling parents, I think the call to action is the same independence that you are uh, embracing for the K to 12 experience needs to be sustained as your child gets older. It's very scary because just like so many of us were programmed with, you know, homeschooling is bad and public schooling is good. Uh, we've also been programmed that you need a college degree to be successful in life. So a few buddies of mine and I put together a book called, provocatively called, uh, Skip College uh, that you can find on Amazon and wherever. Uh, I think the subtitle is How, How to Build a Successful Life Without uh, a Degree, Debt, or Distractions or something like that. But the point is like, okay, you, you want to be off the conveyor belt of higher education, then what do you do? So we share a lot of ideas and a lot of information in that book uh, because this pattern of homeschooling families just putting their kids back on the conveyor belt, I see as, I see as a problem and uh, it's something I'd like to help remedy. It is such a problem and I fell victim to it as well. I grew up in the public school system. My parents were state workers. They pushed me, be a state worker, be a state worker, get your pension. You need a pension. You need health insurance and a pension. So not knowing what I wanted to do because the public school system never pushed me in any one way or another. It was, you know, get by, do well on the test, well enough to get by. And uh, yeah, so I went to a four-year school, which is the four-year degree is what you need to kind of get into, you know, the government work now for a lot, you know, higher up than secretarial jobs. So did that, climb my ladder uh, in government work, uh, which I, I'm, I'm still there now, but I'm on an extended leave from um, having my, my daughter. And I don't think I can go back because 15 years in, I've just been bred, you need to get uh, promotions for your pension so that you can have this pension. You need a good pension. You need a good pension. Okay, well, why? What does a pension do for me when my children are then at the age where they're no longer in the home anymore? When I'm 55 or 60, my kids aren't with me anymore. I've missed all the years watching them grow up and seeing them experiencing things with them. And then, you know, so then you turn 60 and a lot of the people I know that are in their 60s, they retire and get other jobs because they're bored. So yep. for me, it's like um, it's. It's taken a good year and a half, two years to unprogram myself that you don't need this pension now. You can still work when, you're, when your kids have 
you know, gotten old enough to where they don't need you. But it really is a strong programming. And in school, I remember my um, history teacher. I, it was the year um, that Bush uh, Jr. was got elected. She would talk about, call him Little Shrub to us in class. You know, so she'd talk about gore and then she'd talk about Little Shrub. So I didn't realize at the time that was grooming us to think one way. They're grooming mm-hmm. you to think that mm-hmm. only one party cares about diversity, right? Which is so not true. And I know people say a lot about the Tuttle Twins, but but how many people have read your books and still can say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that must be frustrating. How do you deal with it and how do yeah. your kids deal with it? You know, it's it's hard dealing with kids. These are sensitive topics. And as you point out with your experience, there are a lot of people who feel very passionately differently and will call you names and, you know, cause problems. I, mm-hmm. I remember the early days I would use my kids in the marketing materials. So we have some fun little cute videos we recorded where my kids, when they were young, would kind of pitch the Tuttle Twins like, hey, here's why you should get the books. And, you know, my wife, uh, I, I have very thick skin. I, you know, I can deal with most anything. My, my wife's skin is, shall we say, thinner. And, uh, and so when people would reply in the comments and say nasty things and say that we're brainwashing kids and whatever, you know, she'd get kind of defensive. And we ultimately decided to kind of pull the kids out for that reason because we didn't want crazy people on the internet, you know, having anything to do with our kids. Um, but, but to me, it just uh, shows the nature of what we're up against in terms of so many of these people just so deeply misunderstand right. the way the world really works. And to me, it's a testament that for generations, we've allowed the government schools to pump out intellectual mediocrity and people who support the, like, like, can you really trust a government school and a government curriculum to teach about how the government is dangerous and, and why, you know, government is harmful in these areas or overstepping its bounds here or shouldn't have fought that war, you know, like the, the, the approved curriculum and the teachers and all the things, they're all government employees. And so is it any wonder that we have so much support today for socialism among the rising generation when you have this system that itself is socialist? I mean, a government school is a socialist enterprise. Um, just by redistributing everyone's wealth to benefit, you know, just the families that are participating. And, uh, and so to me, it's, it, it, I think of the Henry David Thoreau quote, for every thousand hacking at the branches of evil, there's only one striking at the root. And so often we're focused on superficial issues or marginal issues. And, and that's fine. Like we have to engage in all these different areas of, of kind of public life. But uh, to me, I'm always thinking through how can we better strike the root what what is the root what are the root problems and how do we strike it and in my mind how we educate the rising generation is a root issue um it is it has so many downstream effects that like with my think tank where we're out changing all these laws and trying to persuade voters to vote differently and whatever uh ultimately we're putting band-aids on festering gangrenous wounds like we have these just diseases in our, you know, psyche or whatever about how the world works. And if we don't cure the disease, no amount of, you know, bandages are going to help deal with this internal problem that we have. So, you know, I feel like those of us who believe in liberty, right, we've got the right medicine and we got to go administer it to these people, but they resist. Uh, I, I think of the scene from the matrix for those who have seen it, the, the, 
uh, the scene with the woman in the red dress and Morpheus is walking Neo down and they're in kind of a, a pretend matrix. Yeah. And he's like, look around. These are all the minds of the, the people that are in the system. Doctors, lawyers, dentists, yeah. bakers, whoever, right? All these different people. But they are so hopelessly dependent upon the system that they will fight you as you try to liberate them from it. So the very people that you're trying to help are resisting your help because they are dependent on the, on the system. They, they don't know anything else other than what their parents did and their grandparents did. And this is how it's done. So it's very hard to, to change adults' minds. Horace Mann, who's one of the early architects of, of modern public schooling, he has this quote where he says, men are like cast iron, children are like wax. In other words, it's very difficult to, you know, adults are sturdy, they're set in their ways, but children right. are very malleable. This is why all the dictators and despots throughout world history yeah. have always gone after the rising generation. They have youth programs and they take over the schools. And so it's, it's happening today as well. It's happening in America. And so for parents, even if you're homeschooling, like that's just not enough to pull out your kid. Like, I don't even like the word homeschooling. Um, even though I use it because I don't want to school in the home. Too many families just think like, oh, I, I'm doing it at home now. That doesn't solve the problem, right? It, it's it's not ultimately the, the geography of where you <laughs> school your kid doesn't mean anything. It's got to be a totally different methodology that you use than that authoritarian model that all the schools are doing. So uh, to me, this is the root issue. This is something we have to solve for. Uh, otherwise, no amount of freedom fighting with adults is ultimately going to pay off if we're not solving this root problem in our society. And I've thought a lot about that. And you mentioned it earlier when you um, talked about the goals, uh, because I think we think that there are certain things our children needs to know by the end of grade two, the end of grade five, the end of grade eight, and so on. Right. And what I've come to learn through my podcast is there is not... There is not a set. It's not like you fail as a parent if they don't know X, Y, Z by a certain age and they'll come take your kids away. That doesn't happen. You teach them what you feel you need to know. And so I thought long and hard, what do I want my child to know? And it's so simple because in a generation or two, we went from people that had family businesses, could grow food on their own, can hunt, butcher an animal, preserve it, grow a garden, preserve that food, sow, um, and work as a community together. That if I'm not good at sewing, I, I, I know I can go to my neighbor and they might be and I can trade them and barter with them. And it, I mean, yep. I imagine that that's how my grandmother grew up in Poland before she came to the States. It was like that there. And so many people have. So in a generation or two, it's all been lost. So if we can yep. get back to teaching our kids how to be self-sufficient. I've always been taught that to be self-sufficient means that you don't need welfare, but that's not true. To be self-sufficient means you don't need the government to put food on your grocery store shelves. You don't need the government to bring water to your house. You don't need the government to bring electricity to your house, right? So like how many people live like that in the United States? I mean, I'm guessing less than 1%, but it's a goal to have as, as we are educating our children in the home, because even if they don't need to know it, how do we know that their children won't or their children's children won't need to know this stuff at a time? We, we've seen COVID and we don't know what else could come down the pipeline where they cannot get food 
on the grocery store shelves or in some of the communist countries right now, Venezuela, where you go to the grocery store and it's just closed because there's no food. There's no way to get gasoline to your car. And um, I don't think people understand the grasp of that, that you got to think about your children and, and the generations to come after that. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I think this is why it's important to frame homeschooling correctly. It's not just about educating your kid in the home or my kid was bullied at school, so we're going to keep them safe at home or my kid is gifted and, you know, got bored in school, so we're pulling them out. Like there are many reasons why people decide to homeschool and they're all valid. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to disparage any of them. But uh, to me, homeschooling is a fundamentally political act. It is a social act. It is a religious act. It is an ethical act. And, and what I'm trying to communicate is that we are in a world, and, and we've long been in a world, the, the world is such that there are many other people who are trying to reach and teach and influence your child and my child. And they see the rising generation as malleable, like Horace Mann said, like wax, that they want to persuade the rising generation to support their ends, support their efforts. And whether we're talking about the totalitarians throughout history or modern, you know, politicians and corporations and everybody else. The Rockefellers. Yeah. That's why Rockefeller is on every textbook. No matter who it is, the, the point is that there are many other people who are effectively trying to indoctrinate your child. And we used to get accused in the early days and even still with Tuttle Twins of being, you know, indoctrination. You're just teaching these like freedom ideas to kids. It's propaganda. And I used to get defensive, you know, like, no, no, you know, indoctrination is when you're doing it for bad purposes or when the when the teacher closes the door. So no one else knows what they're teaching to a captive audience and they're trying to like brainwash these kids in their classroom. And, you know, that's not what we're doing. We're we're going to the parents directly to very transparently say, hey, if you would like to have these conversations with your kids, you know, here's some resources to help. So I would kind of have this defensive explanation for why we're not indoctrination and why we're not brainwashing. Now I embrace the term. The term I embrace is propaganda. This is propaganda for kids and it is indoctrination for kids. And what I mean by that is propaganda ultimately is just the propagation of ideas to propagate something from one source to a destination. So I am propagating ideas to my children when I take them to to Sunday Bible school, you know, or whatever. Um, That is the propagation of ideas. It's also indoctrination in the sense that I'm teaching them the doctrine. I'm teaching them truth. And so ultimately for us as parents, it's it's not a question of, of, you know, uh, what my children are going to learn. It's like, who is uh, responsible for teaching them truth? How are they going to be exposed to these ideas? And what foundation of knowledge are they going to have that's going to help them shape their worldview? Because if you don't do it as a parent, if you're not intentional about this, then other people are much more intentional than you when it comes to your own child and through you know media and schools and social media and, and marketing efforts for corporations and everything else. They're coming after your kids. And if you don't realize that, uh, you know, almost like we're in the middle of this mind war, that there are other people trying to come after your children and influence them. If you don't realize that we're in a mind war, you've already lost. It's like going to a battlefield without armor and weaponry and knowledge of the enemy. You know, you'll, you'll become a casualty immediately. And, and so we have to know who the enemy is. We have to have armor and be prepared, self-reliant, as you were talking about. We have to 
um, uh, have a weaponry to be able to fight back and know what that even looks like. And too few parents realize the stakes of what we're up against. It's not just, yeah, I'm homeschooling and now we're going to use the good and the beautiful or, you know, whatever. And we're going to teach my kids. Sure. Yes, absolutely. But there's something more substantial going on underneath all this in our society. And every homeschooling parent who sets, you know, steps off the conveyor belt, yeah. it is a radical act. It's a political act. It's a social act. It's a religious act because we are deviating from a system that has been built to cultivate the minds of the rising generation and dumb them down. And uh, I'll, I'll end with this because uh, I've been rambling a bit. But if you're think of, of uh, you're in power, you're part of the elite, you you love having control and maybe you're a well-known person, maybe you're more the behind the scenes person. Regardless of that, if you're in control and, and if you have kind of the levers of power in our society through government or corporations or whatever, do you want a populace comprised of entrepreneurial, critically thinking, independent minded individuals who understand history and are civically engaged? Of course not. That's the last thing you want. If you're in power, you don't want to be held accountable. You don't want people who learn from the mistakes of the past so that they can prevent them and you from you know, committing those mistakes today. You don't want entrepreneurial people. You want dependent people. You want people who subsist at your pleasure, at the pleasure of these government programs and everything. You want people who don't understand history, who don't understand their rights, who are apathetic to civic engagement because they're so distracted with what the Romans called bread and circuses, right? When they wanted to distract their people, they fed them and they had all this entertainment because they didn't want them to pay attention to the government. Exactly. So, so to me, right, I want my children to be the very type of people who are a threat to those in power. Yeah, the gladiators. Not, you know, just this sheepish, uh, you know, group of individuals who just do what they're told and, and are ignorant and apathetic. That is the core problem in our society. So the question for parents, your homeschooling is to say, Okay, what am I? Am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? Do I realize the stakes of what we're up against, and do I understand the gravity of what we're trying to do, so that others aren't trying to propagandize my children? I want to propagandize my children in a good way to give them a foundation of truth and understanding the, a proper worldview. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Connor. Uh, this was a really cool conversation, and I recommend your books all the time. Um, thank you. I. I I love reading them with my kids and I'm excited to get your history books because I didn't I didn't learn a whole lot in my, my public school history education. So I'm excited to see the truth and um, also in a way that I mean, they're kids books, but they make so much sense for the parents that we never really yeah. absorbed it because it was never taught to us this way in school, you know, so I. Um, I learned so much from him and I really just thank you for your work because somebody had to do it and I'm glad that it, that it was you and I love the point of view and what you're Appreciate bringing to the it. table. I asked my son um, if he had any questions for me to ask you and he said he wants to know if, if uh, your son rides four-wheelers. <laughs> nope. Uh, my son took after his dad and he's not a uh, outdoorsy sport individual. He's a, a bookworm and a music nerd and... So he's big into piano. Um, he creates his own compositions of music. Wow. Uh, so he's really kind of gone on, down that rabbit hole. I don't. I don't think he's been on a four wheeler in his life, and I haven't been on one in probably thirty years. So, like father, like son, I guess. Hey, that is okay. It is one stressor that you don't need in your life. <laughs> 
can imagine. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And tell your son I said hello. I will. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. If you've enjoyed what you heard and you'd like to contribute to the show, please consider leaving a small tip using the link in my show's description. Or, if you'd rather, please use the link in the description to share this podcast with a friend or on your favorite Homeschool Group Facebook page. Any effort to help us keep the podcast going is greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in and for your love of the next generation.